Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Bator of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today is the eighth episode of our engineering series, where we will be discussing all of the engineers in Lower Decks. Woohoo! We're here at Lower Decks, pretty deep into the engineering series now. We were just talking off mic, off Zoom, camera, whatever, (laughs) that we can't believe we only have two engineering series episodes left. Yeah. Yeah, it it has kind of flown by, to be honest, I think partially because we're on a little bit better of a release schedule, mm-hmm. but also because we will not be talking about Picard because, yeah, you know, <laughs> sorry, there's yeah. just like, there's not like know. an official engineer. <laughs> and yes, there's a lot of feats of engineering, but you know, we already talked yeah. about Jordy. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so we're good on Picard. So we will be talking about Prodigy next week. And there's been so much good news on the Prodigy front because us fans have actually saved Star Trek Prodigy. And I'm sure you've heard by now, but Netflix has decided to take Prodigy on their streaming platform. And that's where we will see season one dropping later in 2023 and season two coming out in 2024. So, I mean, I'm absolutely delighted. My spark of jc and voyager and prodigy love has just gone to new heights once again yes ashlyn called me screaming when she heard the news so (laughs) i I I was in the library so i silent screamed (laughs) back it was pretty fantastic yeah ashlyn i'm so excited that we get to have a platform to talk about prodigy again even though we have the dvds and we're going to send one to our sister gabby because of course she is a prominent fixture on the prodigy episodes of the podcast Yeah, exactly. It'll be so exciting to have her back with us. And then after that, we're talking about Strange New Worlds, which will finish out our engineering series um, for now. You know, we always come back to stuff later on, but at least for now. At least for now. And so that brings me to the announcement that was dropped at the end of the last episode, Rihanna, after we finished out our Discovery discussion, you told us what the new series was going to be. Yes, I told everyone that we are talking about the Mirror Universe next, so I'm very, very excited to, one, have a little bit of a break at our watch list. We're watching up to maybe three episodes at most. <laughs> um, Compared to like just 15. <laughs> yeah, and not that I don't love watching upwards of 20 episodes of Star Trek a week. It's just really hard with my work and grad school schedule, <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've downloaded episodes for the train for the commute i like watch while i'm doing homework sometimes it's insane so i'm very excited for that and just excited ashlyn to talk about a really huge fixture of star trek which is the mirror universe but yeah i feel like it's been a long time coming so we had to do it you know yeah we've been promising this series since we started over three years ago now i always assumed that mirror would happen in the first five series so it will be our 13th series this is our, our mirror. It's our 13th series. Lucky wow. 13 for the mirror <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. 
Yeah, absolutely. So thank you all for your continuing listening, for into just waiting out these like maybe highly anticipated series. I don't know. Are you all like waiting for us to talk about Mirror Universe this whole time? <laughs> or some of those other ones we still just like have not covered? I mean, we've been teasing it for a long time. Like we have purposefully avoided certain episodes because yeah. we were saving them for the Mirror Universe. Like there's been no other series that we've coveted as much no. on the pod. Like we're, it's, it's like a, like a blackout. We do not discuss the Mirror Universe yeah. unless we have to. No, you're so right. Yeah, so that's gonna be really interesting. It does not at all take away from my love or absolute pure joy of getting to talk about these engineering episodes, particularly for Lower Decks. It's just very exciting to do this week. Lower Decks is a passion of mine. <laughs> so I, of course, all of Star Trek is a passion, but I just, I covet this show so much. I love it. So Ashlyn, thank you so much for uh, choosing this amazing series and I can't wait to dive in after we have a couple friends and i notice ashlyn that you have a friend with you not just like chilling out on your table hanging on your microphone um <laughs> literally hanging out who do you have with you ashlyn <laughs> i'm gonna be such a pain in the ass for the next couple podcasts but i officially have a captain janeway action figure and yes. so a huge part of it was, as I'm keeping you all very updated on the details about my action figure collection. <laughs> of course. But I have finally mounted a little circular shelf above yes. my desk that has a row of only Picards, a row of Klingons, including Jadzia dressed up in her Klingon armor, because oh, sure. I thought that was cool. To oh, add. yeah, she's definitely a part of Klingons. For sure. And then the top row is the Voyager cast, like as much as I have. And I realized so yeah. I didn't have Janeway and that was a damn shame. The only thing is I should have bought two of her, one mm. to have on that shelf and one to keep with me everywhere oh, I go. true. <laughs> yeah, because she has to represent as captain on your Voyager shelf. Yeah. So I think <laughs> for the next couple pods, she's going to be the main host. And then the action figure I draw will be a, a companion, much as you sure. had last week with Saru got a friend michael. yeah oh it was michael got a friend yeah. along the way yeah exactly ashlyn it's always good to have a, a host and then their friend that they bring along <laughs> yeah. so speaking of that ashlyn i would like you to pick a friend now maybe janeway knows them maybe she won't we'll see okay here's what i'm thinking so i could just blindly pick from the shelf yes or, pick from the I, or I could run into the other room because there's a huge pile of them on the couch should <laughs> no, i do blindly... couch or wall oh. pick <laughs> I think you should do wall, even though do it'll be wall. a little messier. <laughs> okay. You might okay. knock some over, but I think it'll be worth it. Okay, here we go. Ready? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Ashlyn. Who did you blindly pick from the wall? I picked the doctor. Okay, so Janeway knows him very well. Yeah, and Kate Mulgrew and Robert Picardo are actual friends, in, like very oh. good friends in real life. And so I feel no shame about them both hanging on the microphone. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to put him there as well. Um, yeah, got you. Okay. Oh, I hear him. I hear him settling in. <laughs> you hear him settling in. Okay, <laughs> how about this? That is just precious. Um, can't wait to get a photo for everyone. It actually looks a little weird. Um, how about that? It's a little That's better. great. He's lurking, but I love it. <laughs> that's kind of how he is. You know? Yeah, he's kind of a lurker. You can't see his face well, but... Oh, that's cute. Oh, my God. I'm glad you can hear all this on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway... <laughs> things in life like 
<laughs> looking at my action figure display has made me so happy these it's past like couple a, days. Yeah, it's like an instant serotonin boost. <laughs> yeah, it's like my friends are hanging out with me today. <laughs> my friends are there. <laughs> yeah. All right, Rihanna, after all that shenanigans, who do you have on this journey? I have bad vibes is who I have. Um, I, I guess we've invited Sela to join oh! us. <laughs> has she Sela. and her shoulder pads are here to stay, I guess, uh, to talk about lower decks. Uh. She's really stiff. You can hear. Oh, she's really, need some oil. Those Romulan outfits are not comfortable. No, she's stiff AF. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little frightened, but Lashley, let's take our picture. You know, you your amazing setup and mind Janeway with Janeway and the doctor can handle Sela, no problem. Oh, yeah. If they can handle Seska, they can handle Sela. All right. Well, Ashlyn, thank you for picking your, picking your pick and for having Janeway join us. I think now it's time to jump into our episode. And Ashlyn, will you, as always, do the honors of reading this watch list? Yes, I absolutely will. So we are starting out just in the billup section, that's what it's called, <laughs> with Where Pleasant Fountains Lie and In the Cradle of Vexilon. Next will be the Rutherford section with Envoys, Cupid's Errant Arrow, Much Ado About Boimler, I Excretus, Grounded, I Have No Bones But I Must Flee. And next is the AI and Badgie section with Terminal Provocations, No Small Parts, Reflections, The Stars at Night, A Few Badgies More, and we will be ending the engineering episode with the section working together with an embarrassment of duplers, first contact, room for growth, and Tuvix, as in ah. W-O-V-I-X. <laughs> thank you for that clarification. Yes. yes. Ashlyn, thank you so much for reading this. This was such an amazing watch list to put together. It's so much fun how much engineering is woven into Lower Decks that I didn't realize or haven't really paid much attention to. I love Rutherford, though. He's my favorite character. But I'm looking more at his, like, growth arcs or his various, like, shenanigans or crushes on Tendi and stuff. I'm not really looking at him from this side as much, except for just his overall nerdiness. So I'm really excited to get to talk about Rutherford in this direction and talk about the people he works with, like Billups, the chief engineer, you know, who normally we'd be spending a whole episode on, but this is Lower Decks. So he's just going to start us off, actually. <laughs> It's funny, Rihanna, you say you don't realize how much engineering is in Lower Decks, and yet you created the most incredible watch list. <laughs> Thank because you. I do know Lower Decks, but not nearly as well as you do. If you are listening along to our Patreon episodes, we are reviewing right now season three of Lower Decks, mm -hmm. and Rihanna has seen all these episodes like a hundred times. I'm not she, even joking, yeah. Yeah, like she is an expert, and so honestly, the niche things that she pulled together to make this watch list are extremely impressive. So thank you very much. This is your second watch list on my series that you've yeah. done. So you're really doing a lot of extra work on this series, Rihanna, and I highly Ooh. appreciate it. <laughs> I love it. I love when we could like fill each other's gaps, you know, because there's so many times where I start a watch list and I'm just like, I'm just going to turf this to Ashland, like holodeck <laughs> for Voyager. I was like, good luck. <laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs> like... And I said, here's a 40 episode watch yeah. list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's how it goes. So thank you, Ashland. And everyone, you know, honestly, this is such an enjoyable watch list. I would love and recommend if people go back and see these episodes not only just for the fun of it and for listening along this episode but also because there's going to be so many spoilers so we are going to be talking about literally the most recent episode of lower decks which is a, a few badges more few badges more yeah episode yeah. seven 
episodes eight, nine, and ten have not come out of season four yet, so we will not be talking about those, but the rest of them are fair game, including some really big spoilers for all of this stuff. So if you have not seen, I'd say like Eddie of season two or above of Lower Decks, you should probably go and watch it and then listen or just, you know, skip around. So good luck. Well, I'm just, I'm sorry. We should have said that at the beginning of the podcast, but <laughs> this, you know, you need to be up to date <laughs> on your Trek. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, we're trying to pressure you to catch up on Star Trek, even if you have no time for watching in your life. So come back, <laughs> take a pause. We'll see you next week. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And so right before we start talking about billups, I am curious for you, Rihanna, what was your favorite techno babble from these episodes? Okay, so my favorite techno babble comes from the episode where they remove the hole, which is mm, first contact. Yeah. Um, so which is first contact season two, episode 10. This is the time when Rutherford's implant is bugging out so much that he is getting all these alert messages and he can't see where he's going. We're going to be talking about that in depth later. But I found this techno babble hilarious because it's only written down. It's only on the alert message itself. But I actually paused it and took a picture because I was like, no way did they just write all of this nonsense here. So it says, alert, isolinear override surge detected, bypass gamma bracket variance. Okay, the isolinear what? surge, <laughs> override surge, uh, I can get, I can get behind. Yeah. <laughs> it's the second line, the bypass gamma bracket variance is just words to me. Like it has no meaning behind any of that. There's too many words. I thought it was hilarious. You know, this override is a big thing on the screen. So they really thought about what words they're going to put on there. And they said, let's go crazy techno babble to confuse the audience and Rutherford, frankly. <laughs> so I thought that was really wonderful and very confusing. Rihanna, okay, this is the first theme I wanted to bring up actually in the whole episode is that this techno babble is not your TNG techno babble, like season seven, you know, where they yeah. like really got the techno babble down. Mm -hmm. This is them absolutely not giving an F about <laughs> what comes out of these characters' mouths. Yes. And I love it because it makes sense to a point and then you lose them. You're like, what? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so they go complete... one too far, but for the, for the bit, you know. Yes, for the bit, exactly. Mm -hmm. Not because they're lazy, but because no. they, they're just trying to bring some fourth wall breaking humor to this techno babble, which is exactly what we have been talking about the whole series. So I, I love to see their nod to it. Totally, they even nod to it a little bit later in an episode we didn't put on the thing, but I'll talk about that in just a second. I first want to hear Ashlyn. What was your favorite techno babble in Lower Deck so far? Oh my gosh. Okay. So my favorite was in the episode, I have no bones, but I must flee sure. because Rutherford is, so all of his friends have been uh, upgraded to, upgraded. or have been, <laughs> <laughs> they're born drones. <laughs> <laughs> all, of, all of his friends have been promoted to lieutenant junior grades and Rutherford is still an ensign. We learn because he's turned down so many promotions to stay <laughs> with Tendi and his buds. Uh -huh. um, and so now he's trying to do all these like, various feats of engineering to try to get promoted. And so my favorite absolute best part of this is when Rutherford succeeded in increasing the power output of the Tucker tubes by seven Pico Cochran's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love a Pico Cochran. Like Cochrane. what? Okay, can you I imagine, can imagine being... Tucker saying Pico Cochran? You know, <laughs> like it just fits. 
Any matter. <laughs> Any matter. I just think like, how famous do you have to be to get a unit of measurement named after you? You know? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, they always what? say this. Like, how the big is a Cochrane though? And I mean, Pico Cochrans are tiny, but Cochrane <laughs> I think is fairly large. <laughs> But what kind of matter? Like, I just have no idea, but I love this. But so it yeah. goes on because then oh, Billups okay, is yeah. like, oh, that's funny because Livick added a third tube without triggering the Heisenberg collapse and he <laughs> named it the Billups tube. And then, the third like, tube. Yeah. Yeah, and then he says, I don't know what we use these for, but I love them. And so, I'm so glad you brought this one up. Yeah, because it has everything. It has them breaking the fourth wall. It has these ridiculous names that I absolutely love. Correct me if I'm wrong. I sound like a bad Enterprise fan, but I think Tucker Tucker tubes are a thing that they've mentioned in Enterprise. Like I do remember a scene where Tucker's just like looking at the tubes. He's like, I'm going to call them the Tucker tubes. But that might have been a fever dream. So if I'm wrong, <laughs> maybe this is just a Lower Decks reference, but it's it's triggering a memory in me somewhere. So I think it is a reference, but either way, brilliant, brilliant one, Ashlyn, great choice, because this scene is so funny. The one up with the, the third tube. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> and he named it the Billups tube. I mean, yeah. Wow. Ultimate suck up. Love it. Historic. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about how Lower Decks is so self-referential about their techno babble. Literally in the episode, in Crisis Point 2 Paradoxes, they bring up this point when they have this scene with like the pseudo Carol Marcus of the movie of Boimler's movie where she's like, um, we must stop the chromagasmic matrix before the inducers and you know, something she just keeps going on and on. <laughs> I think Mariner even makes a joke like, whoa, that's one too many <laughs> like techno words in there or something. She doesn't say techno, but like it's just a hilarious scene and so self-referential about this moment and about like their own techno babble to their own show and to star trek in general like how they really do hype up the techno babble for the movies like we kind of discussed and how they're just gonna go next level it, it just cracks me up and i just love how smart they are they're like we know exactly what we're doing rihanna thank you so much for bringing that up that is definitely like one of the most fourth wall breaking moments of all <laughs> Totally. is when mariner's like that's one too many descriptors like come yeah, on <laughs> exactly um okay so let's start off with billups ashlyn we are beginning with the episode where pleasant fountains lie and of course this is not the first time that we see billups but we only really get glimpses into his life and his story until this episode i find that fascinating because of course we're going to focus on rutherford and on like different lower deckers doing engineering stuff but billups is really only mentioned as like just a comedy point until we finally are getting more backstory to him in this episode where we get to meet his mother and learn about his culture, see him work on a different engine, all that type of stuff. So Ashlyn, did you have a certain impression of Billups? I remember him being kind of forgettable until this episode, which I, I hate to say, but like as far as engineers go, you know, he wasn't like anywhere top of my list. I hadn't seen him do a lot. I've seen him down in engineering, looking at the warp core, talking to Rutherford, but I'm just curious how you felt about him. I, yeah, I thought he was pretty forgettable, but there were a couple moments that made me know that I liked him. He's always extremely supportive of Rutherford. He's always in a good mood, like very friendly. 
and doesn't have like a Bolana type attitude or like mm -hmm. there's no friction it seems like between him or any of the of the senior officers so just a classic good engineer was kind of my perception of him before this one totally yeah i love that so and then we learn that he comes from hysperia which is a renfair culture it was essentially colonized by renfair types who literally found a planet that has dragons, pet dragons, they can ride around. They made castles, you know, and Phillips and Arithio, <laughs> Prince and Arithio is actually the, is actually the prince of this entire planet, I guess, or the civilization, colony, whatever. But he rejected his birthright so that he could go to Starfleet, become a Starfleet engineer and work on a ship like he's doing. He's, you know, fulfilling his dream and his mother is pissed about it. She wants him to take the throne. He has to have sex to take the throne. So he's completely like, this prince remains dry. You know, like he is not, <laughs> he's not having any sex. So I love this in a way because it does sort of fulfill the like asexual engineer trope, you know, that we talked about with Scotty, how he truly makes these jokes all the time of like, Ah, the only lady I love is the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. Philip says almost something verbatim of that. He's like, the only lady I love is two decks tall and pumped full of dilithium. <laughs> I wrote that one down too. I love that quote. Iconic. It's so funny. So I love that we're setting this up right away. But I also do think like his mom's opinion of him and how she says like no i won't be proud until you stop all this nonsense and take the throne but for now i'm satisfied i think she says like that's just such a terrible attitude and no wonder he ran off to starfleet we see this time and time again you know <laughs> parents pushing their kids away to starfleet yeah exactly get all the <laughs> runaways out here yeah um, it literally <laughs> yeah um, surprise, surprise, we did talk about this in our family episode. You might have never guessed yes. that of, wow, of Lower Decks. Yeah. <laughs> but something I love about Hysperia is everything they have is basically the same level of technology that Starfleet has, except it's named different fantasy things. And so Rutherford gets to come over with Billups because the queen, his mom says, oh, we have something wrong with our engine and we need someone to come take a look at it and oh surprise surprise it seems that the cerritos is the closest ship to us so send billups over so billups goes with rutherford he starts to say billups does the level of the dragon's blood flame and and then rutherford's like what and he's like sorry i mean the primary fusion reactor <laughs> <laughs> So they have all these fantasy names and then I love too because then Rutherford's scanning and he's like, well, the elf matrix is dot 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 and then um, Billups is like, don't do that. <laughs> it's so iconic. I, they must have a whole different engineering manual for Isperia, you know, with all of these different names. It might take a little while to learn, you know, I think that that's just iconic that you can be an, like an amazing engineer and probably still be like, what if someone tries to explain it to you? I'm imagining Billups in the academy and being like, yes. what? Like, oh, these are all the same dragon's names. Blood or... breath? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what Dragon's Blood Breath is called? Oh, okay. Or whatever. He's failing his first academy class because he's like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that cracks me up. I'm really glad you brought that up. And just the ship in general you know from an engineering perspective gotta appreciate like this ship has everything it's got like a horse stable it's got a really nice engineering room so it seems all of the rooms we see are like grand halls with these paintings and even um 
Rutherford, though he's like at first a little timid and a little bit worried about going on this away mission, Tendi's like, well, like you can work on a whole new ship. And Rutherford is like, I would like to see how the other half mixes their dilithium or whatever, <laughs> or their intermix or whatever. I don't remember what he says, but I just think that's genius because it is true. Like Rutherford can't pass up a good opportunity to work on another ship. And especially with Billups, I love that he gets to come on this mission and they seemingly get it all done they seemingly find the cute or find the fix but like as they're as they're fixing it it just cracks me up because billups is working so fast he's like we are getting the hell out of here as quickly as he's possible. on turbo mode yeah yeah yes <laughs> and so it turns out that there was faulty resonators but it didn't come up in the scan so that's like a little bizarre <laughs> so what we find out is that there really is nothing wrong with the ship but the queen ha is basically this is all a trap to lure Billups here because she fakes her own death. She fakes an explosion once Billups goes over back to the Cerritos and Rutherford seems to be dead. All these engineers seem to be dead. <laughs> so then he comes back and feels like, well, I have to fulfill my obligation now and become king. It, it doesn't end up happening. They prove <laughs> that the queen was alive just in time. So he saves his virginity. Um, <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> what a what a what a great episode. I think the engineering aspect kind of ends. Um <laughs> I mean, the only other thing I want to know is so they have that person who's like playing the loot, you know, for the or the liar, and it's blocking comms. I just think that is actually really amazing engineering that you could have music that like emits a a wave that will block comms and like interrupt Rutherford's interrupt Rutherford's badge so I just was like actually very impressed by that um and the fact that Rutherford's having to fight through like knights and horses and all this stuff to get back to Billups is hilarious so well yes. done um for them getting out of that and fixing this crazy ship so I have no idea why that technology is not more widespread Rihanna <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I need some music blogging comms <laughs> like, that's we so need cool. like a good musician in engineering to just be like do 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 like yeah. noodling around <laughs> yeah. well and i truly love too how everyone is so supportive of billups you know in engineering and how even like freeman gives him an out but everyone an engineer too is just cheer in engineering is cheering for him they're all so excited i love that support i think let's jump to in the cradle of vexalon and we're just going to talk about when billups joins on this mission so there is a planet that put out a distress signal because they're AI, their uh, robot that was ruling them was starting to malfunction and the weather was kind of getting out of control, but it was a totally benevolent computer and was willing to help the people, but just needed a little bit of an upgrade, a little bit of some TLC. And so of all people, we have <laughs> Captain Freeman and Ransom. So, okay, good <laughs> command team duo Yeah, here to do the repair on the computer and Ransom asks, hey, why isn't Billups here? She's like, oh, I have a minor in archaic technology. So <laughs> it's fine. It <laughs> just cracks me up because sometimes I do just like pull out and drop my philosophy minor. I'm like, well, I've read some books on philosophy. <laughs> and then I just, and then I like something comes out of my mouth. I'm like, you sound like a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> you don't know shit. Sorry, I'm cursing a lot. Um, it, it just cracks me up because it's not very much as much of a flex as we all think it is, you know, so um, I love that Freeman said that and that overall she does know pretty much the parameters of what needs to be fixed and what needs to be done, you know, kind of thing, but she 
confuses the factory reset to just like a regular reboot you know and um it needed to be fully shut down and reset which means like the planet's gonna be going in complete origin mode again which is not good for the inhabitants there because it's like exuding primordial ooze mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm just like oh no like everyone's dying the volcanoes um, are erupting it's really yeah. reverting oh, yeah it is a volcano um and so billups is beamed down to like he he's there once or after she resets it but like he's beamed down to see what's going on what the problem is and i just you know agree billups needs to be on this sooner it's a similar situation to an episode the episode with the orbital lift you know when the ransom is sending them down to be diplomatic and it's like no billups needs to be up there doing his thing he's very useful when he's used i just feel like they they're not always like calling billups down yeah, I'm, I totally am with you. He should have just been with them as a courtesy, like, hey, I, just in yeah. case something goes wrong, I'll, <laughs> I'll step, step in. in. Yeah, and yeah. once he gets there, he's great. And he and he's into it, too. He's like, wow, like, this technology <laughs> is so cool, which I love to yeah. see him freaking out about Once this. he's, like, taking his mind off of his lost um, ferret, Lancelot. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alrighty. Well, we love Billups and we hate to say goodbye to him, but it's not really goodbye after all, because we are entering the Rutherford section and Billups is going to be helping Rutherford up and down the Cerritos. So yeah. I think let's jump to Envoys. And this is actually exactly what I was talking about. Like I had a, I had a great first impression of Billups because in the beginning of this episode, Rutherford and, or Tendi asked Rutherford to go see the Trivoli Pulsar. It's like super rare and he is going to be busy. Like he has to work during her, during the shift that's happening and and so he basically quits engineering and he's gonna like go try to find a new job because he wants to be able to have free time to watch this pulsar with her mm -hmm. oh, okay what <laughs> um but anyway and so when he when he goes to billups and he says like i'm afraid i have to tell you i'm gonna be like transitioning out of engineering and i, I hope that's okay and he's like permission granted like that's great buddy you know like you need yeah. to achieve your dream and everyone's like Rutherford Rutherford <laughs> <laughs> yes I love this um Billups is always so supportive you know and even when he was just saying like you're my number one bullets and systems guy you know Rutherford had been kind of bragging earlier on in the day that he was spent a solid week in the tubes <laughs> realigning the eps manifold i believe and so it's just like hilarious because he <laughs> like is truly so happy you know but because tendy asked him and he doesn't want to back down on his promise not thinking oh can we watch it from the tubes like which is what they end up doing instead he's like i'll quit my job in engineering and try all these other places when he's clearly so happy there so it just like cracks me up and thus he does he really tries in all of these other positions i think this is really funny because it is sort of what i've always wondered if like say we had people i know they do like a crew like a rank swap you know in one of the episodes we'll talk about later but I really appreciate that it's sort of like, I would love to see more of this, of like engineers doing captain stuff or like captains doing science stuff, you know, because it cracks me up because like a lot of us, yes, can do a lot of stuff. Like we talk about how Janeway is so versatile in engineering and how like 
Picard is also a very good scientist. You know, there's all this kind of stuff that there's a great overlap, but at least for some people, it's kind of like they have one giant expertise and going outside of this is going to really not work well. And for Rutherford, I'd say like his best adjacent expertise is the sciences, you know, which we see with him in medical being like, you know, the heart's an engine, the brain's a computer, the eyes are a different kind of computer. No, cameras, the eyes are cameras, you know, like <laughs> he's really pulling out his like Reno vibe where he's like they're just all engines like it's the same premise same principles but i just love this idea that like some people in starfleet truly came in to be in like their field you know and a lot of times those are the engineer types who are like i am truly dedicated to the engines i'm dedicated to like building construction construction working on engines anything like crazy solution for engineering that type of stuff it always seems to be the engineers who are a little not even less versatile but just like very focused in their field it cracks me up yes rihanna thank you so much for saying this rutherford was made to be an engineer and so it is interesting to watch him try on all these different hats but in the end this is where he belongs all those kids. <laughs> All those kids, yes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Yeah, so he okie-dokies himself right back into engineering. Um, and Tendy's like, yeah, let's just watch the pulsar from the tubes. And Yeah, like, I can cute. come to you. <laughs> she just wanted company. Um, so this is just such a great episode to sort of introduce us to Rutherford's character, like, of how devoted he is in engineering, but also how devoted he is to Tendy. Um, sort of this man is hand. a Hufflepuff. <laughs> yes, through and through. Oh my gosh. So now let's talk about Cupid's errant arrow, which is <laughs> Rutherford basically foaming at the mouth for these T-88s. <laughs> like, this is such a hilarious side plot for me because we have this fantastic A plot with what we talked about in Love and Affection that is barely even brushed upon in this B plot where literally Tendi and Rutherford are just excited to use these new types of scanners called T-88s and basically having a like T-88 scanning race <laughs> to see who gets to keep it and to see who gets to keep the T-88 at the end. Um, fantastic setup for this episode because we have seen Tendi and Rutherford kind of compete before, not to this extent, but just like be both really interested and intrigued in science and engineering. Tendi is one of those people who I think could really hold her own in engineering. You know, she decided to switch, uh, switch divisions like Rutherford and try on a couple other things. I think she would kick ass. Yeah, you know, this was also something that I saw while I was watching these episodes is that as often happens, if you are a friend with an, if you're friends with an engineer, you're going to end up doing a lot of engineering. You know, Tom and Bolana. Data and Jordy. <laughs> I wish to say Data, yep. Yeah, so I think Tendi kind of has this quality too where she has the ability to be great in multiple fields. And so she can hang with Rutherford, you know, as yeah. and do all the engineering with him too, which I really appreciate. The other thing I wanted to talk about is all the technology they mentioned on the Vancouver that is so impressive to them. Mm -hmm. Primarily, they have fluidic processors that self-replicate their own silicas. That was close for me with the Technobabble <laughs> confusion. I was like, I don't know, silica <laughs> sounds like silic. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, now I'm thinking about silica? a silicon. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you okay. want, silic? Goddamn silic. <laughs> Archer. Shaking him around always. Uh, uh, uh. <sighs> anyway. Oh my god. But then they also have tritanium hole brackets and t is. So these are the three features. And then so they, oh. they said that at the beginning, 
Yes. Yeah, the door. Oh, whoosh. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't forget these the are the best features on the Vancouver. Turns out it's really stressful to it's tr really stressful to be on a legendary flagship, and so this race that had been offered to them turns out to actually just be a trick to transfer them on, and then have this lieutenant transfer himself onto the Cerrito so he could have a simple life. Insane way to do it. Just ask for a transfer, my dude. Like <laughs> literally, yeah. Like he's losing it for sure. <laughs> This isn't me. You made me stun you. Like, it's true. <laughs> I think, though, the most amazing part of this episode is the beginning and end. Um, Rutherford and Rutherford and Tendi both working on the Cerritos in the beginning, you know, like, just sort of talking about, like, man, I love the Cerritos, but sometimes, like, she's buggy and she's just, you know, like, but, you know, you can't beat that good smell. And Tendi's like, mm, yes, like... Or Rutherford's like, oh, yes, like marshmallows toasting on a campfire. And she's like, is that a plasma fire? <laughs> you know, so we're seeing in this episode that the Cerritos is kind of falling apart and is kind of a workhorse. They call it that later. But like, it, it's it's definitely, like you said, has to, needs a little TLC, needs a little love, a um, little extra support. And so I do think that these engineers are kind of living the dream in a way. Like for an engineer, having a ship that's, not always at perfect capacity and there's always stuff to improve and increase and work on you know is probably actually really exciting in a way of course like not when things go wrong but i think for those engineers they seem to like the challenge and especially rutherford sort of just loving the fact and hendy loving the fact that this ship is not perfect and that they get to continue to work on it so this position in the vancouver is just not for them you know i feel like they don't do these comparisons that much after this episode like that's not a theme that continues on through the rest of the series at, is like oh the Cerritos is like kind of junky but it's okay because I I think Freeman on her quest to become a better captain she does demand a lot from them and so I see like this team is working as hard as possible and I think the Cerritos just becomes like a top tier level taken care of ship because of this engineering team which is i think kind of on the dl dude that is such a good point i didn't really think of that like after season one besides like billups getting defensive or you know like other people just being sort of like bigoted against the california class like they don't really mention it being kind of a dinky ship I think so it's I really mostly, yeah. yeah, I think it's mostly the diplomacy of it all where the California class is like yes. second, it's second class, you know, yeah. and so that aspect definitely gets teased by everyone, but the like actual engineering side and technology side, I don't think does. No, exactly. So, good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Drop that mic. Should we go on to um, Much Ado About Boimler? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, one of my favorite episodes. This is, of oh. course, when Rutherford is doing some science on the transporters, and he's trying to, like, narrow the bandwidth converter or something. I don't know this engineering behind it, but he essentially is just trying to increase the speed of the transporter by, like, point. Zero five by, or a, zero, 10%. by a pillow Pico Cochran. Cochran. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a couple Pico Cochrans. Try saying that five times fast. A couple yeah. Pico Cochrans. A couple Pico Cochrans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Too good. Um, 
so Boimler, yeah, you're, you're right. I think it, it is just like he's trying to increase the speed of the transporter by a bit. And then <laughs> Rutherford or Boimler offers to be the guinea pig for the test. And he like he's fine, yeah. except that he's kind of like always stuck in a beaming transporter state. Not that his molecules are actually moving, but yeah. he has the loud noise. He's like, yeah. oh, and he's got like the little translucent skin as well. <laughs> It's just cosmetic, though, so don't yeah, worry. Yeah, it's just cosmetic. <laughs> and I, why we needed this is sort of just more of a mention episode, but I think it's important to talk about because this transporter saves the day. Like there is a crazy, there's a crazy amount happening as usual in this episode um, that we won't get into. But essentially, there's another <laughs> life or death situation going on with uh, Captain Dayton um she's on is she she's not on the vancouver she's on something else but she and her ship have like sent out a distress signal and turns out their ship is getting attacked by this like living organism you know jellyfish type thing usual <laughs> and rutherford's transporter saves them like if they had beamed out any slower they would have died and so when they all beam in and they're all glowing and making that horrible <laughs> sound well, the sound was the worst part <laughs> um, it's just so good because then you know everyone's like um what's what's wrong are we okay and and uh rutherford's like don't worry it's just cosmetic and they're like it's just cosmetic woohoo <laughs> you know like <laughs> it's fine we're all alive so i just find that hilarious like even if it's a little bit janky of a solution or if it didn't quite work out they're still all alive i love this rihanna that's such a good <laughs> well it's a classic lordex way to save the day oh my god it's so good yeah all right, let's go on to talk about I Excretus, another Rutherford highlight. Rihanna, do you want to talk about, so so this episode is the one where um, Sherry Bem Bem um, <laughs> has come aboard to do these tests on the Cerritos, and she's yeah. making them all go through little, like, tiny holodeck program tests where you have to do certain tasks and uh can you do you want to talk about what rutherford has to do <laughs> <laughs> yes so i desperately wish they'd given rutherford at least one more seed rutherford yes. and tendy because i know mariner and boimler get kind of the the star of, of these holodecks um <laughs> of these holodeck training simulations but rutherford gets to do the needs of the many one which is basically wrath of khan it's the same outfit same like radiation in the chamber like you'll flood the whole compartment oh, <laughs> really but same energy y'all know what we're talking about um mm -hmm. and so it's uh, rutherford has to basically be spock or would have happened to scotty if scotty hadn't been like passed out to go into the chamber and stop the warp core breach before the enterprise explodes Rutherford's very excited. He's like, I've got this son. I'm chief engineer. And he goes to the door handle and it's like burns him from the radiation. And <laughs> he can't get it on. Like we can't get the glove on. Yeah, yeah, we've seen the gloves, right? Like we know Spock wears those gloves to go yeah. into the room. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, but Boimler, I guess, I mean, but Rutherford just doesn't have those gloves or something. And so he tries to use his boots, which means he can't get the door open in time. <laughs> Everything explodes. I just, <laughs> I think that is the funniest shit because like he is such a good engineer and would absolutely be able to stop this warp core breach even if it meant and he's he's also kind of self-sacrificial as we'll see more and more so if that's on brand you know for his engineering type like he can fix this and he'll do it 
If he can get through the door. I absolutely love this scene. Thank you so much for <laughs> mentioning this, Rihanna. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about Lower Decks is they're trying to do all of these really cool things and they're just, just can't quite, can't quite get there. Yeah, not oh the show gosh. itself, but the characters. Yes, the characters, exactly. Because they're Lower yeah, Deckers, yeah. you know? He just doesn't know where yeah. the gloves are. Yeah, <laughs> makes yeah. sense. He's not like chilling in engineering. Yeah. <laughs> Looking for his uh. gloves. Okay, I think let's go on to Grounded. <laughs> Rihanna, you want to talk about this episode and all of Rutherford's amazing feat of feats of engineering? Oh, I'd be delighted. Um, so Grounded, again, this is more of a mention episode. There's not a ton of Ruthy parts that aren't just him being a badass, but I did want to mention, let me find it in my notes. Here it is. Okay. Um, <clears throat> So essentially Mariner is trying to find a Mariner and Boimler are trying to find a way to get to the Cerritos to get Boimler's really detailed logs for the trial. And they're like, how do we know which dry dock Cerritos is at? There's a bajillion of them. And only a small skeleton crew of engineers would have been able to like see where the, or would have been able to know where it is in dry dock. And so they're both like, oh, Rutherford, of course. And so they go to Cisco's in, <laughs> in New, New Orleans. Nerlands in New Orleans for um to find Rutherford and Tendi and chat about how to get to dry dock and I love that Rutherford is like um oh yeah I totally like I, I was able to get a glance at the docking code and it's only 19 digits <laughs> I'm like you got a glance it's 19 digits and he's just like I got it you know I mean it's probably with the help of the implant of course but it still just cracks me up because engineers are going to be remembering numbers really well they're going to keep in mind like all of the stuff he wants to know where a ship is you know like i'd imagine a lot of those engineers wouldn't get a glance at those digits um so that was amazing just in general rem remembering all those numbers well done <laughs> and then of course i love when he's able to rig the ride at in bozeman montana the phoenix ride and reroute it to the dry dock station <laughs> traumatizing gavin in the process like this is just so good because it's mostly the cavalier attitude for Rutherford that always amazes me because as much as like, or, or because he's just not a very nervous person. He's so confident in his engineering abilities and just like in himself in general <laughs> that <laughs> him and Tendi are literally just like eating churros in line waiting. Hol holograph Zephram Cochran is like, make sure to finish up all snacks before you get on the ride. And Mariner is like, Rutherford, are you going to be able to, you know, rig this ship to get us to dry dock? And he's like, yeah, no problem. He's just like stuffing this churro into his <laughs> mouth. Like, truly not a care in the world. It's just insane because for anyone else, that's an insane amount of engineering to do, you know, for, I mean, maybe not. This theme park ride might be easy to <laughs> hack into, but even so, getting into dry dock, doing all of this stuff. He's so chill about it. And I just have to absolutely applaud him for that because this is just another day for him in engineering. This is an easy, easy day for him, you know, is remembering some numbers and getting and repilot or reprogramming the ship. Yeah. And I think that it's really fun to see engineers in quote unquote, a normal circumstance where they're not in space. I mean, they are, but when they're not um, like in uniform, not on a mission, it's fun to see like, wow, these people are actually incredibly smart and how cool would it be to interact with them on earth? You're like, whoa, this, these people are so smart. It was kind of giving, I don't know 
Rihanna, I'm sure you don't watch a lot of um, soccer TikToks, but I love watching. <laughs> I, I love <laughs> I love watching the ones where, or really any athlete, when they are able to place a ball, ex like in an insanely far away or very specific location. It's so impressive to me. But the thing is, that's their job. Like that's literally True. why they're paid so much money is to do this exactly specific thing. And I think about that with Rutherford too. Like this is his job. This is what he lives and breathes and nourishes himself on is engineering. <laughs> so of course yeah. he can eat a churro and fix the ship, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's no, that's just easy for him. Yeah, that's such yeah. a good point. Like stuff that we think is so difficult. Even when I was, you know, like, even when I'm thinking about like, people I see who do construction jobs or like mechanics or that type of engineering stuff, building planners, that kind of stuff. I'm like, my brain just does not work that way. Straight up cannot understand how any of that engineering works. And so just in real life too, I'm always just find myself astounded. Like, I can't believe you can do this. But again, they trained, they learned and they did it. And you know, like I probably could eventually just like wrap my brain around it, you know? It's so funny, Rihanna, we're both just thinking the same thing because I like the more, I mean, there's a reason I chose the series It's because I love engineering and I don't understand yeah. it at all. But <laughs> I was literally thinking to myself that if I lived during this future and I wanted to be in Starfleet, I would make myself actually study and be a real engineer because yeah. I am really good at math, but I have number dyslexia. And so I had a lot of like copy errors and things like that. And so even though I understood the concept, the specifics eluded me a lot of the time. And so I would hope that in the future they would have something, someone to help me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and there's got to be a disability services office at Starfleet that you could go to for dyslexia. Like, yeah, help, so, you know, I, yeah, worst case. The thing is, I don't care enough in real life to do that, but I <laughs> yeah. would absolutely do it for Starfleet. Wouldn't we all? I would become a full-blown scientist for Starfleet, and I <laughs> am terrible, terrible with numbers and science and chemistry. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. Such a good point. Thank you, Ashlyn. Um, okay, it's time to talk about I Have No Bones, But I Must Flee. Perhaps one of the best titles in recent Star Trek history. It really rivals For the World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky. You know? It really does. Yeah, it's a yeah. <laughs> great version of that. Phenomenal. Um, For the World Has Bones and I Must Touch the Flea. The flea. <laughs> <laughs> I like how uh, so often we're like completely on task and then sometimes yeah. we're like just talking just about like weird titles. Weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the you never know what you're going to gonna get. It comes to a complete halt and we're just both like, huh. <laughs> Flee. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my gosh. Okay, Rihanna. Um, so this is what I was talking about as my favorite techno babble. This is the episode where Rutherford is trying to get promoted to Lieutenant Lieutenant Junior Grade to join Boimler, Mariner, and Tendi. And so he's increasingly doing all of these amazing things. And so I I, I think I'm going to just read them off one after well, the other. That sounds fantastic. Just don't forget about Lieutenant, uh, Provisional Lieutenant Junior Grade to Lynn. <laughs> In your list of people who got promoted. <laughs> she also got promoted. <laughs> <laughs> Rihanna's like, we haven't mentioned Tillin yet, and I am angry about yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Okay. 
Okay, yes, tell me your list. Okay, Ashley. so I'm sorry, Talyn was also promoted. There's been a yes. call from the audience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to the engineering. So <laughs> Rutherford, he has been working for a year to try to decrease the vibration in the warp manifold by a factor of 0 0.05. And then, um, Brett, what's his name? Billups. I was at Brett. Oh, oh. Um, Billups is like, man, that's awesome. But Livick just did it by 0 0.06. And he's like, Livick. <laughs> the rivalry is born because it turns out this Wunderkit, as Boimler will later describe her, later, later describe him, seems to be really smart and has gotten into this position on the Cerritos very quickly. Yeah, Rutherford doesn't even know who he is. Yeah, so literally. Really fresh. <laughs> this is season, this is episode two of season four, so he's brand new. Yeah. I was, um, go ahead. Go on. Please go on. So then, after that, this is this is when he tries to increase the power output of the Tucker tubes by seven <laughs> Pico Cochran. So I didn't talk about that scene, sure. but wonderful. And then, of course, Livick once more flies in with his third tube, um, the Billups tube, and he improves the um, power output without causing a Heisenberg collapse. Great job, buddy. And then the third time, um, Boimler, who's having a side crisis that we aren't talking about, he's sleeping in one of the Jeffrey's tubes. And so <laughs> yeah. Rutherford crawls up to him and is like, hey, buddy, like I'm trying to diffuse the heat conductors by a few nanojoules. And then that's when Boimler's like, oh yeah, that Wonder Coots Livick just came through and did it too. And Rutherford's like, ah, like why? You know, he's, and he mentions like, everyone is trying to make these micro adjust yeah. adjustments on the ship. Leave these minor repairs for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I love all of this. And then at the end of the episode, Rutherford then reveals like, oh, well, I haven't been um, or I've been turning down all these promotions and that's why I haven't already been upgraded to Lieutenant Junior Grade. And so then Tendi yells over to Billups like, hey, can Rutherford, and this is right before Livick is about to be promoted. So he's got mm -hmm. like his hands on the pips, but Billups does. And she says, hey, Billups, like can Rutherford be promoted for getting off the whole plating at the end of season two? And he's like, oh yeah, sure. And then he just, he, <laughs> he promotes him. I, I can just ask for stuff that I deserve. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes. Absolutely love that. Like, yes, Rutherford. Yes, good reminder can. for us all. Literally, uh, because he says that it's really competitive in engineering that they need a scientific some or something something. We assume some kind of like peer reviewed thing. Um, I just think that that's amazing, and and it it does speak to how often Rutherford must have turned down these promotions because he's also been saving the ship for so many times or for so long since we've been talking about these episodes or since uh season one you know so this is a really interesting thing that he keeps turning down these promotions and the engineering is so strict about their promotions i find that really interesting yeah and i yeah i find that interesting as well i mean it makes sense yeah. you want to make sure the person knows what they're doing before promoting them. yes yeah, yeah totally like if you're if you get a promotion in security it's kind of like good job you made more things secure you know like, <laughs> you were you kicked some more ass like you know not that it's really not hard to get a promotion in engineering but or in security but it just cracks me up rihanna's out here slandering the security <laughs> oh, <no>. officers <laughs> no, i mean they do a lot obviously but like 
you don't need a scientific paper to back up your security. Wow, maybe so. I, maybe we need to do a, a security series so we can get so we Rihanna can talk about Tuvok? on this flex. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I speaking of changing topics, I think it's time that we move on to the AI and Badgie section of the pod. You might have noticed that uh, Badgie has been absent during the Rutherford section. So here we go. Now, once again, I'm plugging our villain series because we had a great episode talking about Badgie as one of the great villains of Lower Decks. And we have some more entries into his character now based off of these new episodes that have been dropping. So, but let's go back to the beginning. Let's talk about Terminal Provocations. This is season six in episode one, so fairly early on. <laughs> season six in episode one we're doing well we're just talking about your dyslexia oh and i number dyslexia specifically like this is this is exactly what i am saying oh what's left and right i don't know um okay so this is of course season episode six in season one so fairly early on and Rutherford has been writing some code on the side because he wants to have a aid, a holodeck aid to help him learn things and uh, like practice different training simulations and things like that. And thus Badgie, his son, is created. <laughs> yeah, and we learn pretty early on that Badgie is kind of still in prototype mode. He is not fully ready. Rutherford later commits later what's the word later confesses to tendy that he the badgie was not ready and he was just trying to impress her so yet again we're seeing this um shall we say trend of rutherford really either making and making poor decisions because of tendy and engineering or just straight up moving around or changing positions entirely in engineering to accommodate tendy's desires or wishes Anything really he, she asks of him, he'll do for the most part until he's getting zapped and told not to like pears, but like truly for the most part he is just, um, he does cater a lot to Tendi. And I find this really interesting, especially because this gets them in a lot of trouble and it's going to continue to get them in a lot of trouble. Badgie is one of Rutherford's greatest mistakes, you know, and <laughs> one of his greatest like engineering flaws but the thing is is that it's actually so much deeper than that which we will get, get be discussing as we unravel this sort of tangled web of badgie the ai behind badgie the code behind badgie all that stuff so i love that the, uh, this episode is truly just the tip of the iceberg of something deeper that's going to be happening underneath not only on the badgie side but on the other side that we're that the coin is going to be flipped here but no, I, Rihanna, I'm loving your badgy um, doctor's thesis that you're preparing for. It was very beautiful. Like, I, you just wrote the introduction. Like, okay, Thank tell me you. about chapter one. <laughs> yeah. Chapter one, the birth of a badge. <laughs> <laughs> As your thesis advisor, I'm going to say you should change that title. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I guess it's good to get the feedback. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> anyway, I totally interrupted you into probably was something that was a very valid line of thinking. <laughs> oh, you're fine. You're fine. Um, so as this episode goes on, there's more murder attempts. Uh, the first 
actual murder attempt though was for Rutherford. Let's let's all keep that clear because this True. is another important thing about Badgy is that his whole character kind of stems from this one traumatic point where Rutherford snaps his neck. Um, granted, Badgy is trying to like kill him and then slit Tendy's throat and bathe in her blood um, <laughs> verbatim. Oh. Yeah, literally. <laughs> what yeah. He said so. Like. It is self-defense, but it's also, like, completely traumatizes Badgie and completely turns him against Rutherford and has him seeking revenge because Badgie has emotional processing issues and well, the code is flawed, essentially, is, is what it comes down to. Even if Badgie weren't a prototype, I think he would still be flawed fundamentally in these, like, emotional capacity ways um, and emotional... I don't know. <laughs> He's got a lot going on. Badgie should be seeing Minglimo like twice a week, but <laughs> Badgie is a sentient Yeah. You know, hologram. like yeah. hologram. So the implications of that are dubious for sure. And especially like considering what happens that that Badgie turns completely against Rutherford. If Rutherford had considered this when he saw these warning signs about Badgie, maybe that could have prevented some of this. But um I don't know. You know, you, you don't know what you're creating until it's too late sometimes. Exactly. And especially because it was for this engineering side project. He's just trying to, he's trying to do, it's not even something for the ship. You know, it just really gets out of his control really quickly. And um, the safeties get turned off too. Like Badgie really outsmarts him. And even though they're trying to go from like to different locations to be able to fight Badgie off, Rutherford only realizes when they're on the snow that that is going to freeze Badgie. And so he can't move because he's affected by the environmental conditions, which for some reason he shouldn't be, but he is. And mm -hmm. uh, so that's how they end up. That's how he snaps his neck. But so, you know, I, I understand what pushed Rutherford to do that. But it's yeah, it's bad. Badgie's such an interesting character. Yeah, it's the catalyst, um, mm -hmm. and and for for the season one finale, no small parts for all of that to sort of come to fruition, because they need a code of virus to put on the Drukmani scavenger ship, and they use the most morally bankrupt genius they have, as as uh, Ransom says, um, who is Badgie, and he's always monitoring Tom, so he had his things ready. Rutherford, the thing is, is like, all of this is crazy because this means that Rutherford just like, let Badgie chill in the like, hologram blank void that he goes to. And just sort of like, let this murderous person, or this murderous holodeck program just like, hang out in their, their holodeck for, or their holodeck, uh, what's it called? Like, sub-processing units or whatever, just chilling in there. I'm like, it's kind of a Moriarty situation, you know, it's like you just put him in there, you're like, okay, bye, we deleted his pro, or like, we just um, turned off his program, should be good to go, you know, but we find out that Badgie is monitoring comms, and that like, he is able to make these corrupting viruses that will end up killing shacks, quote unquote, so I'm just like, stunned by the lack of safety protocols with a murderous AI like this, um, that's insane to me, especially because of history of Starfleet's history with AI and its complicated <laughs> relationship with both murderous hologram programs and uh, murderous AI machines like Agamus <laughs> and like other AIs. Non-stop murder machines everywhere you yes. go. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, it, what it is. Rihanna, this is a great point that I hadn't thought about. You know, they're not like purging the disc at all or trying to like really destroy Rutherford's code. It's not even looked yeah. into. No. It's just, yeah. <laughs> but Why you guys like, in, in sick bait? Oh, we got beat up by this horrible, murderous AI. Oh, that's fine. Like, just repaired you back to work. 
don't tell Billups about this, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Or Come Freeman. On. What? Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lower decks problems, you know? Mm hmm. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about, um, we get to see Peanut Hamper. Um, yep. This is the introduction. Oh, wait, wait, no. I don't want to talk about Peanut fucking Hamper. We're talking <laughs> about Badgie and AI. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, okay, yeah. So I'll just say, <laughs> I'm, I'll just say I'm always monitoring comms is, like, I think a fan favorite line. I, mm -hmm. everyone loves that line. And I think about it as one of my favorites on Lower Decks as well. Just beautiful. And so, like, the that's the big surprise is that once Rutherford does get Badgie to help him and create this virus, he, which he makes three of in, like, a minute, uh, he goes on the Packlet ship, and surprise, surprise, Badgie betrays him. Mm -hmm. And so he, they, he, like, loads the virus to 99%, he's like, now I'm going to explode it with you on here. So Shax comes, saves Rutherford, but this is another scenario where the Badgie AI absolutely causes a lot of harm and like this is out of control you know compared to what happened in terminal provocations this is like it really affected the ship and killed shacks so like yeah. ai running rampant no sign of trying to stop it and and we assume that badgie's dead after True. this because the ship exploded with badgie on it mm -hmm. yes but um there is a piece of rutherford that the the implant the that Shax pulled out of him is just floating along at the end of the episode is like all we get. So, um, yeah. And then we go on to reflections. Ashlyn, thank you so much for bringing up all of this badgy stuff. Let's step away for a moment. It's all tangled up in the same web, but reflections is deep into season three, episode five. We have again, a very kind of later episode finally introducing a or finally giving us a pretty much almost fully complete story of Rutherford and the implant, you know, stories behind who he was before the Cerritos. So Ashlyn, I think first though, we have to talk about just in general Rutherford as like a person because a lot of what he does dictates who he is as an engineer. You know, he's, he, uh, he, He's very easygoing, easy to work with, um, kind of like you said about Billups, just like encouraging. He's pretty much not afraid to ask questions. He's really smart, that kind of stuff. And so we all have this sort of like vision of Rutherford, you know, and of who he is as an engineer, how he sort of conducts his engineering work. He's really hardworking. He spends a week, a solid week in the tubes, you know. Um, okay, we've seen him, yeah, we've seen him like, Okie dokie. Yeah, he's just amazing. We've seen him work his way through a lot of really crazy problems. He's very self-sacrificial, like we've seen with Badgie. So going into this episode and getting a glimpse at younger Rutherford, at who he was before the implant is so interesting because I think if Rutherford had never gotten the implant and somehow still ended up on the Cerritos, he would have been like <laughs> not a great engineer to work with and someone who was like really tough to work with. Yeah, well, and that's part of, so what, what we're going to learn throughout the episode is that this is, of course, a struggle between young Rutherford and the present day Rutherford that we know, because there are two personalities fighting in this implant. And right now, like all of the different blips that Rutherford has had throughout the past couple seasons has been his older self from 10 years ago trying to break through, like when he liked pears and when he uh was having like yeah that glitch um, that i was talking the glitch, about yeah exactly 
at, at one point this personality does take over and makes the portrayal lady cry who is so cool tendy figures out that this is not the real rutherford after a minute and um eventually he goes into a coma and they have to battle it out in an amazing absolutely incredible dreamlike sequence where they literally do a race and they each build their own ships and they go along this this racetrack that is similar to the Voyager episode Drive. So there's like different anomalies and everything. Yes. And seeing what their minds are creating for this engineering is really, really cool. Especially how different they are. Um, because even when we are first seeing old, young Rutherford's possessing, like a uh, current Rutherford's body, we see him like totally trashing the Cerritos, saying like these are the ugliest nacelles I've ever seen. And who puts engine out engineering down here? That's stupid. <laughs> like he's just truly so pissed off. Um, he thinks the Cali class is class is dumb. Like just completely lacking that like loving attitude towards the Cerritos that we know about Rutherford, you know. And we see that in these um, in this dreams in this mindscape, he's created. Basically, I think what he says is like a um, warp engine attached to a nacelle or something. Like it's mm -hmm. like just a crazy ship that's very reckless and dangerous, but also incredibly engineered. And so I think this is something that is really cool about younger Rutherford is we don't see him like as an idiot or just as like a completely reckless playboy or like any of that kind of stuff he's reckless absolutely but he's a genius still you know he we see that he got his smarts or his, we see that like he's had this engineering prowess even during the academy probably before um because he talks about the fact that he would sneak off from the academy to build racing ships illegal racing ships because they're not allowed to test their own engines while they're still in the academy and you're, of course, not allowed to do the Devron races through the neutral zone, which he was doing with the own engines that he built and the ships that he built. I just think, like, say what you say what you want about young Rutherford, but he is a genius and also a hottie. So I was like, there it is, 10. Rihanna. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just it's really interesting to see. And I think it's an important thing to note because he is so smart and he did create all these engines on his own oh my gosh thank you rihanna i know this episode is top tier for you probably your favorite oh, of all time favorite still yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i love to hear you gush about it and you're absolutely right everything about it is so interesting and i love what it reveals about rutherford but also when they i i want to just like jump forward now to the yeah. actual race itself because yes. rutherford designs the delta flyer which yes! is everyone's favorite shuttle designed by tom paris and Bellana and Harry. And the um, outfits. Yeah, and so Rutherford, yeah, he creates the outfits and he also imagines that Mariner, Boimler, and Tendi, not to Lynn yet, Rihanna, she's not here yet, um, <laughs> are all in the Delta Flyer working with him to win this race, which is so touching. But the fact that of all the ships that he had to build, it was the Delta Flyer, just fits his personality so much as we know him and uh, just as much as the other, like, really reckless ship fits the younger Rutherford. So true. Ah, oh, it's so perfect. The other thing that really fits is that younger Rutherford literally built a, a the ship, the seat strapped to a warp engine or whatever, that is built for one, you know, like, it's a very tight enclosed space. And we see that when he gets taken out, like, obviously he has no backup to help. He didn't even think about asking 
for friends because probably young Rutherford didn't have many friends. It seems that he spent a lot of his time off doing illegal races, building his own ships, kind of, you know, sort of a, a fuck the system type guy. Um, but we learned that he wasn't quite as much, you know, like fuck the system as we think, because it seems that at the end of this episode, once we see that he, you know, a young Rutherford is injured, that it's clear that our Rutherford, present Rutherford has won the race. We are finally revealed a memory that we've been sort of dancing around ever since he cleared his cash. And they have that whole, like, we'll pretend that it's elective, you know, we'll pretend that he wanted this implant. Um, and now we see more of it and see the fact that he was working on an engine and then it exploded and that he was like seemingly coerced by Starfleet because there there's a, a person who comes up and is like, this is going to set us back so far. Like, we have to do this implant, we have to remove this entire event from his mind and just pretend it was elective. And so I think that this is an incredible way to sort of continue this question because, you know, we learned in the first episode of Lower Decks that Rutherford is a recent cyborg. So the fact that they're slowly starting to introduce this with that first memory and then the second one with younger Rutherford revealing more of the story that yes, he was reckless. Yes, he was kind of um a rebellion a, re a rebel in the academy but he was also clearly working under someone in starfleet with these orders to try to create this more dangerous engine and we don't know why and we don't know who at this point you know at, of watching this episode but we do know that it was someone you know sort of e even deeper like a cover-up in starfleet that went deeper than just rutherford's races um and whatever coding he used for that races so it's just like so well woven, really well done. And again, just speaking to who Rutherford was as a person, he says all that anger is gone. Like you are, you know, this is good that you're taking the body because like, I think that so much of his life was fueled by anger that he had no friends and had no like companionship. And honestly, even as an engineer, they might be a little more reclusive than maybe some of the other divisions and, you know, spend a lot of time in the tubes, but he also needs those friends to go back to and to keep him, you know, his little okie dokie self. And I think it's just a really thing, cool thing to watch and reveal so much about them. So absolutely, said, yeah. absolutely, Rihanna. So true. Well, and this is such an interesting revelation to just drop halfway through season three that, oh my gosh, all of this is actually connected. Everything that's been going on with Rutherford. And then in the finale of season three, we will find out that even Badgie is connected to this because in the episode, The Stars at Night, this finale is when everything is revealed. So we have Captain Boyne, or we have Admiral Buenavigo, who's has a proposal to launch a Texas class ship, <laughs> which all just throughout the episode, all the names, like the Corpus, Corpus Crispy, yeah, yeah, like this. Crispy, I like that. <laughs> I always call it Corpus Crispy if my, my friend Molly makes fun of me. But um, yeah, I just I love seeing all these city names. We have family in Texas. I've been there a lot. And it's just yeah. so random to hear these names just coming out of this admiral's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Especially so sinister. That cracks me up. Yes. But, but so Puerto Vigo, yeah, it, it basically this this is a giant race. So we had last time <laughs> Rutherford was racing himself. This time the Cerritos is racing. The California class is racing the Texas class, which, you know, maybe someday we'll get into the political um, meaning of this. But Ooh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even um, think of that. 
Huh. Yeah. So essentially the Texas class is drones. Like they are computers that are like completely unmanned ships and it is using, I'm just going to just say it like where this is using Rutherford's code that Admiral Buenavigo had been using young Rutherford for. And it was him who said like, get the, get him retrofitted with this implant and tell him the surgery was elective. Like all of us, he was behind. And so n not knowing that the Cerrito says like, cause are they going to be decommissioned the California class? Yeah. Completely. Yeah. So yeah, they'll be completely decommissioned if it turns out that the Texas class is more efficient than they are and so it's a human versus a droid race of droid star wars it's a human <laughs> versus cyborg race <laughs> yeah um, yeah and uh this this is really really interesting in terms of engineering rihanna you want to have a crack at this one too i'd love to crack this egg wide open yeah, oh, oh it's too open <laughs> close it close it up <laughs> um yeah and throughout this episode we see rutherford kind of uh distracted he has been just staring at this code all day code all day figuring out what's wrong and remember he built badgie in season one before he lost his memory so he's working with the ghost of himself basically trying to remember where this code comes from i'm sure he hasn't looked at badgie's code since really the um incident because they think badgie's dead and so i think that this is a fascinating way to do this because rutherford is sort of you know having to <laughs> having to figure out what this code means why it feels so familiar to him he's even kind of like praising the texas class ship at first you know he's like wow these systems are so cool and tendy's like stop praising the thing that's going to take our jobs <laughs> you know so then you know once they start the ship race he's even distracted during that part but i love one of my favorite moments of this whole like watch list was when Billups is walking around engineering and he says, I want to see commander data levels levels of work here. Those isolate those isolinear chips better be a blur. <laughs> Iconic. Yeah. Great 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 reference to that episode where he has to put them all back in like 20 or like 20 minutes when it would take like three hours. Um and just in general, data's just speed work. I that's just the funniest line. I absolutely adored that part. Yeah, I thought that was like one of Billups' best lines for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Rihanna, thank you for bringing up about Rutherford's like deep suspicion with this because he is so distracted. And this is such a wild task that they're trying to accomplish, you know, going as fast as possible. They have to be perfectly efficient. For Rutherford to not be on his game is quite strange. Like that's how you can tell this is bothering him so deeply. But at the end, you know, like I said, he realizes, oh my gosh, this is my code, right? When Freeman is on the phone with Les, essentially, <laughs> she he runs into the office and says, I have proof that this is my code and you're it's the same stuff that created Badgie. So it's flawed AI that you're using in the Texas class. And then he does his full, like, I am the villain. Hi, it's yeah. me. <laughs> I'm the villain, it's me. Uh. Yeah, this is basically Badgie's evil younger brother, this Alito, the Texas class ships in general, um, seem to be definitely cut from the same cloth, even same languaging. Like when he finally, when Admiral Buenamigo finally gives the Alito full autonomous access like to its systems, 
then it turns on a, a buen amigo and kills him you know he says i will burn your heart in a fire just like badgie has said and so i just think that yep, it's all intertwined here we go again with this and then they have to call in the entirety of the cerritos uh, entirety of the california class to stop these three ships or i guess now one ship when they destroy the other two it's just insane this finale another just phenomenal one seeing them all having to fight against this ai and seeing rutherford you know finally learning who was behind this why he has his implant in the first place and even at the end of the episode you know tendy's like oh my gosh like are you going to get the implant removed um and he's like it took everything that i was and like every everything but it's so cool (laughs) so he's gonna keep it for engineering it's gonna still help him yes he's so hyped about it still (laughs) (laughs) clicking his little buttons so Yeah, and we think that's the end of it. We haven't seen Badgie in a while. We saw a preview of him being evil at the end of season three. And so then going into season four, we finally have come to this episode that was released on Thursday. We're recording this Saturday. Uh, Very recent. I have literally only seen this episode twice. Uh, It's called A Few Badgies More. And of course, this means the return of Badgie. This is the ultimate Badgie episode, which is crazy because yeah. we've had some great Badgie episodes. Yes. Um, I just have to do a shout out to Jack McBriar, who voices Badgie, because absolutely have always loved him since I first saw his beautiful face on 30 Rock. And yes. in this episode, we get to see multiple different personalities of Badgie. And I think he does such a great job in the voice acting, portraying each of these. Like sometimes it doesn't even sound like him. It's mwah, beautiful. Um, yes yeah so a few badgies more um they what's the species it's the divani encounter some rubbish right i think oh yeah the drugmani scavengers are back yeah the, yeah they're yes. scavenging yeah and they find this um that like tech that happens to have badgie on it um yeah it's boimler's i mean it's rutherford's old implant mold implant exactly and so it basically gets integrated into the ship forcefully because of Badgie's AI takes over. And he even says that he scattered some holographic projectors around the ship. So that's how he's able to actually appear in the ship. And he's controlling the Divani, or not, not the Divani. The Drukmani, yeah. Yeah, the, he's controlling the Drukmani. Bro, that part shook me. Like, I did not know that Badgie was able to control other living beings, or not living, sorry, other, like, organic beings. That's insane. You know, he's got, they've got little, like, Badgie antennae on <laughs> that that are just, like, they're being controlled by that. I think that's so fascinating. And, again, as much as Badgie is a corrupt AF uh, AI, <laughs> very great feat of engineering by Rutherford creating this thing. You know, I mean, I think that he has obviously evolved into more, like, definitely out of the control of the creator by now. But I still am like, damn, Rutherford, like... <laughs> You created this thing that can, can now that can now control organic matter. Like that's insane. It has spiraled out of control completely. <laughs> Everything that Badgie yes. can do. Yeah, I love when the Cerritos eventually catches up to this ship because it catches up to the Drukmani ship because uh, the captain calls it the Demon Triangle, which is a great name for Badgie. <laughs> 
and um rutherford ends up going over there because he knows that's that's my son <laughs> so <laughs> gotta go get him and he ends up giving him a hug so he's trying the nurture route he's trying to break that generational trauma i guess yes um and that tell he badgie started. <laughs> yeah, that he started yeah exactly um so he's he's trying to show badgie some love and it works sort of because badgie is split into two and thus we have goodsy good g has been created <laughs> what an iconic um yeah so badgie literally forcefully splits himself to get rid of the good parts so he's only got his like evil revenge filled self left um but good is here to be good and loves rutherford and forgives him for snapping his neck which is great you know i'm glad good around uh, but he's like we should probably run now <laughs> like <laughs> he's not gonna be much help against badgie um and so then, of course, Rutherford is like, we got to keep trying something. We're just seeing Rutherford truly learning what it's like to face these like failures in engineering. And even this beginning of the episode, he's like, he's failing for uh, trying to get this grappler to work on their little shuttle, the um, Sequoia that they're always building. We and love, we love the Sequoia we love grapplers <laughs> and grapplers. Laon, I was thinking about her the entire time mm -hmm. this or this scene was going on. But literally, I think Tendi says to him in that moment, like, hey, uh, you didn't, it's okay if you didn't succeed this time, you know, it just means that you're like trying and I don't remember exactly what she said, but it does end up helping him later on, you know, of course, to be like, okay, just got to keep trying. And he does try to logic his way out of getting murdered by Badgie, because Badgie is first releasing gas, poisonous gas into the Cerritos and trying to kill everyone. And then Rutherford is like, is this logical? You know, like, why are you killing my crew? Why do you have such revenge? You have me, like, let's just kill me and get it done with. Or just like, don't be murdering everyone. It's not logical. And so then Badgie splits himself up again, takes the logic part out of him who was agreeing with Rutherford. And now we have Logic-E. Yes, oh man, I love Logic-E. I never expected to have kind of a Vulcan-ish Badgie appear, but yes. here we go with Logic-E. And so the Badgie we have remaining is like pure evil. You know, it's reminding yeah. me of Kirk getting split in the transporter where there's yes. the enemy within with two Kirks. And this remaining Badgie is awful. You know, he's he's like extra murderous, but he has no reason and he has no good morals stopping him. <laughs> Insane. Um, not what you want with a Badgie. He's ready to get into the very network of Starfleet itself, of like computers itself. And he's like, I can annihilate everyone. Wahaha, you know. <laughs> I was just going to say he uploads himself into the subspace relays and then makes the ship go at warp 9.9, .9, which to me sounds like complete gibberish. Like sure. maybe it's a threshold situation. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh, thank you, Ashlyn. Always coming in clutch with those uh, accurate responses. Yeah, he essentially is ready to destroy everyone. And then once he starts becoming everything and becoming in the relays, he's like, wait a minute. This is pointless. I could just be everything, create my own dimension, and just like chill with the koala. And I, I'm like, this bitch just ascended. Like this episode ends with Badgie ascending, like like that guy did in um in season one. So I just think this is incredible and hilarious that they they ended up not having Badgie destroy everyone or even kill a bunch of people. No, he became his own ethereal being and ascended into another plane yeah he turned into god godgy you might say 
I guess that solves your AI problem sometimes. Sometimes when they go godlike, it works. <laughs> but not if you're watching Picard, apparently. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, I think let's close the book on AI and Badgie and let's yep. end this. Let's wrap this pot up with our last section, working together. I just want to talk about the intro scene of the episode Terminal Provocations because it's iconic where they're just hanging out in their bunks. Mm -hmm. I, I think Boimler is trying to make the Cerritos warp core or warp engine sounds, warp core sounds. <laughs> and so then what's the other guy's name fletcher yeah fletcher's there and he makes his noise and boomer's like no no that's uh the cerritos has invaded or it has an inverted plasma distribution so it's a higher pitch and he demonstrates and then mariner's like no no it's actually the vibrations in the dilithium disbursement manifold that's what makes the pitch higher and then she <laughs> um does her example and then tendy's like oh are we doing warp engines like i'll do voyager yeah. <laughs> absolutely love and then ransom walks by and he's like literally what's going on so yeah, he's like, this is a cult like something has happened <laughs> yes i just i love that scene it's iconic and it's like core star trek right there you know it's just so cute yeah i love that they're also debating why it sounds that way that's so nerdy and so engineering yes, coded like too. i love it well, and Mariner, you know, she claims to be so cool and not nerdy, and yet she's like, um, actually, actually this is why the pitch is higher. Yeah. It's because she spends so much time at the warp core. She knows what it sounds like. Exactly. <laughs> and then, Rihanna, do you want to talk a little bit about working together in the episode Embarrassment of Duplers? Yes. This is working together not on the Cerritos itself, but on a model of the Cerritos, uh, Tendi and Rutherford have a new model they've been working on for a while but this model was actually one that rutherford from season one was working on with tendy and so now season two now season two rutherford is very confused by season one rutherford's notes on this model like why is this three squiggly lines what does this mean he's trying to get different parts of this model working and i gotta say I can't wait for the future when models could be like this that you could build because I'm not as much of a like Lego or model person, but when I can get in one of those or would I like take time, it's actually really fun to build. But I can't imagine building one with like actual shields, an actual little warp core, an actual black like phaser blast. They have like probably little photon torpedoes. Like it's just phenomenal. Um the detail on it, you know, and just how and as an engineer or a scientist, you have to be so such a good steady hand. You have to both know these Cerritos inside and out and how to like work little models inside and out. Like, I just think it's such a fun niche part of engineering that Rutherford seems to take a lot of joy in. <laughs> like Tendi even says there's nothing like relaxing from working on the, from a day of working on the ship by working on a smaller version of the ship. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> That is engineering core. That is the cutest thing I've ever heard. I think it's so cute. And Rutherford, of course, is struggling with this, though. He's struggling with why season one Rutherford can't, why he, why he can't interpret season one Rutherford's notes. Turns out, Tendi tells him, they've been building this model all along um, to never complete it. They've always, Rutherford always was delaying it. Huh, that's interesting. Rutherford was always... <laughs> not completing this model for Tendi. He was always not getting that promotion for Tendi. He was always switching divisions for Tendi. I just, hmm, <laughs> fascinating. Interesting. Fascinating. It's like, what are the writers trying to tell us? Um, yeah, so I just think that this is really hilarious that he literally left three squiggly lines for his like future self 
to delay him to be like i'm just gonna put random shit on this model um to delay the the um the process of it but then at the very end tendy being the sweet person she is gets him a deep space nine model that they will never finish and that comes with an esri and a judzia <laughs> i just what great detail for the writers and also just like i just love the thought of the working on a little model to relax from working on the ship yeah, you know, Rian, it kind of reminds me, there was one summer that you and I and our grandma Colette spent building a yes. dollhouse together. Yeah, and like this from scratch. Almost. This was like old school, like 50s dollhouse that she had bought for us a couple yeah. of years previously. And she was living with us for a while. And we spent a good amount of time like we were varnishing those dollhouse those stairs yeah, yeah it was a work it was a real like labor i remember we were listening to the high school musical 2 soundtrack i don't oh, know how yeah. she I'm put sure up she with us that. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it was great but, though yeah. yeah and you start to think like man i would i wish i could have some tiny light bulbs i would you know i should put yeah. in some real plumbing and this some dollhouse yeah yeah it's so true. Ashland, what a great point. I wonder what Rutherford and Teddy's um, model building music is. Great question. Know. Probably the choo-choo dance. Yeah. Send us what you think it is. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> Maybe just warp core sounds. Oh, yeah. Warp yeah. core for 10 hours straight. Warp core. Like on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yes. Yeah. Literally. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I want to move on to first contact, which in my opinion, in my humble opinion, as Tripp would say, <laughs> I think this is one of the coolest bits of engineering in Lower Decks. I'm obsessed with this. It's it, This is why I watch Star Trek. So basically this is the finale of season two and we get to see the wonderful Captain Sonia Gomez appear Ooh. once more. Boom. She is captaining the Archimedes and they are on a first contact mission but this planet that they're going to is really close to a gravity well and there's a bunch of space rocks floating around that are charged with radiation and they hit the archimedes and all of the power is completely drained so the apparently the magnetized i the mag magnetized ionic plasma and the fragments overloaded the ship and the warp core is offline and it, all the backups are also offline. So they have no impulse. Come, they're dead in the water, you know, as Scotty yeah. would say. Um, yeah, and it and, was from a solar flare. Yeah, Like an yeah. unpredicted solar, solar flare. Solar flare yeah. might crop up and cook us in our cook seats. Cook us in our seats. <laughs> yeah. Wait, tell oh, your man. Pretty good location. <laughs> Dorian's chicklets. <laughs> Don't we be try so to so relax your when your eyeballs are bleeding. Face yeah. <laughs> disease and danger. Wrapped, Wrapped in, in dark darkness, darkness and silence. silence. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> You have to oh, quote Star yeah. Trek 2009 every couple weeks, otherwise bad luck will fall upon you. Yeah, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> we are left with a, a problem because the Archimedes is falling towards this planet and in 20 hours they will crash into it unless something can be done. And luckily the Cerritos is nearby. And I love this scene because Oh man, anytime all the senior officers are gathered together and have an engineering problem and everyone's like firing out solutions and then the captain's like, no, yes, great idea, no. Like these are some of my favorite scenes. So this is what we get. Um, yes. <laughs> everyone's wondering like, how do we stop the ship from crashing in, from crashing into the planet? And so like, what about a tractor beam? No, because you can't let any debris hit the ship. Even the smallest little millocochrane will <laughs> <laughs> knock power out of the ship because of the magnetized ionic plasma that the sure. debris holds. 
so then Freeman's like, what about the deflector dish? Isn't that its job to deflect things? But if they, this is what Boimler says, if they project any of the, if they project any energy field at all, it will draw the plasma toward them, which would be a bad idea as well. And so then she looks at Mariner. She's like, break the rules. Like we need a half-baked solution in order to get us out of here. And so Mariner's like, hmm, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I'll try. Yeah. But it's it's looking bad. And so, side quest, Rutherford and, and Tendi are hanging out in the captain's yacht. Anyway, so then... Yeah. <laughs> Tendi thinks that she's leaving the Cerritos, so they're doing a little tour. Yeah. They're having a little talk, yeah. And so, Mariner and Freeman come into the captain's yacht, and they're arguing with each other. Basically, Rutherford hears what's going on with the ship, and they're trying to figure out how to stop it. And he says, oh, we have to drop our defenses, like how Mariner has to do with people. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those tropey moments where it's like something someone says is what triggers their like idea. They're like, oh, yeah, like Mariner should drop her defenses. <laughs> so do we. Yeah, like, I, that's I such have... a great one. I've realized that trope, like, of course, it's prevalent in Star Trek, but until I was watching the engineering series, I haven't noticed exactly how, like, yeah. widespread it is and throughout the, all of Star Trek, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm thinking about, like, I need an umbrella for my walk tomorrow. And then he's like, an umbrella, Jordy, we need to put a cover over the thing. It's yes. like, oh, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Discovery. I mean, it's everywhere. It's, like, it's, it's almost sickening. Like, yeah. How much. yeah. Like, I love it, but yeah, you're so right. Yeah. And so, and so then Rutherford's like, no, like, literally, we have to go in without our defenses and we have to take off the outer, or we have to take off the whole plating, not the inner hole plating, because that's what stops them from being drawn out to the vacuum of space, yeah. but the outer hole plating, because then that way there won't be a charge against the debris, like a reverse charge, so it can't, like, it won't be attracted to the hole if they go into the debris field. So then um, Freeman's like, okay, so that means we have to all work around the clock to remove the plating, fly through the incredibly dangerous debris field all in 11 hours and tendy says are you saying it can't be done and freeman says no i'm saying we have to hurry yes! Woo! so good so oh. good At the end of my ted talk is that i i love these moments so much and it goes back to what we've been saying all along about how a captain plays such an important role in engineering because even though that might not be their specialty you still have to find a way to listen to the ideas around you and find what the best solution is going to be and freeman like that sometimes she gets caught up in her own ego but i really don't think that that's ever a weakness of hers she like can listen to people in these dire situations and come out with the best damn way to do it so yes props 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 Cerrito strong Cerrito yeah. strong and, and leave it to lower decks truly teach me more about starships and like how they work and stuff than most other shows have you know in these quick snippets of information i'm like oh i had no idea that there was an, a difference between the inner and outer hole or that you could remove one like this you know and so it's kind of similar like when you see the saucer section for the first time the separation it's like i didn't even know it could do that that's so cool you know that's how i felt watching this and i just think that this is with 
some of the coolest engineering episodes happen is when you're truly like, whoa, I'm learning something new about these starships or like there's something else cool that they can do that, of course, maybe they wrote on the fly for this episode, but they still make it work and integrate it into the plot enough that you're like, yeah, this could definitely happen, especially when we have this problem arise with one of the panels not being able to break free and them having to go in cetacean ops, which I'm just gonna have a quick rant about cetacean ops, not the place itself. Love it. Love Matt the whale, love the other Matt. <laughs> I mean, love the other whale. But I was like, sh- I was shocked to hear this line of dialogue at the beginning of the episode when Rutherford is getting these alerts on his implant, um, which we talked about in my techno babble one. There are these alert buttons and they keep popping up and he can barely see, like let alone work. And he has a shift in cetacean ops coming up. This is before the disaster happens. So they're just having a chill day. And he asked Boibler if he has time to take his shift in Cetacean Ops so that he can get his implant fixed. And Boibler says, sorry, I can't. I'm making a banner for Captain Freeman Day. I know they make fun of him and like they, you know, talk about what a child he is and blah, blah, blah. But I just found that so bizarre and so out of character. I know he's devoted to like sucking up and that this is still, you know, season two. So it's maybe a little less mature Boimler, but... I was still just shocked because usually I respect Boimler so much for like getting his hands dirty, taking other work, you know, I mean, he was the only one who thrived with buffer without buffer time. And yet he won't take Rutherford's shift and cetacean off so he can get a like clear issue fixed. You know, I think part of the problem is Rutherford making a very small deal out of it, like not actually telling people how serious this like vision problem is because it's only getting worse. And the other problem is, is just Boimler being wrapped up in Captain, Captain Freeman Day and that being his whole like plot for the episode, you know? Um, that's just my quick rant. I find it very silly and very out of character for all of these very hardworking people to, for, uh, you know, sure, take your time to write your banner, but just another time. <laughs> yeah, I think Boimler gets caught up in the people-pleasing aspect of mm. his job too much sometimes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Amen. <laughs> Ashlyn, so true. Yeah. Yeah, so this yeah. is such a cool episode. They end up, um, of course, saving the Archimedes. It, it's really cool also to see the ship looking like a skeleton without the outer hole. Um, mm-hmm. I, another feature I really like is when they have to re- end up removing the view screen as well. And so mm-hmm. they all have spacesuits on, the bridge is basically open, and they're verbally giving directions like hard port, 75 degrees or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're getting through the debris field. It's truly working together at, a be- at the best and, or it's truly working together at its best. And I love this episode from an engineering standpoint and just from any standpoint. This is a fantastic finale. I don't yeah. know if the Archimedes is like a galaxy class or constitution or what, but either way, like it's sort of also beating the allegation, not allegations, sort of like showing them, hey, like Cerrito, the Cerritos and the California class can do just as well and just as much of these amazing things that these other ships can. And, you know, especially like what Billup says at the beginning when he blows up because he finds out that Freeman's leaving the ship and they are not trying to like shuffle around command because, and then she makes a point like how command is like, or how um, the Admiralty is kind of like, doesn't want to shuffle around Cerritos class and Billups just loses it. You know, he's like, our warp core is twice as fast and or twice as fast as any fucking ship in the fleet. You know, like that is so out of Billups, so out of character for Billups, but it's so funny, you know, and, and even, even Freeman is like, Mr. Billups, like what is going <laughs> on with you? You know? And so I just love that because it is absolutely the same energy as Scotty totally keeping it cool, 
when they when the Klingons were insulting Kirk and then fucking decking the dude for calling the Enterprise a garbage or like all the way is garbage, you know, so garbage scowl. Yeah, yeah, like iconic, you know, and just such a, a funny Billups moment of him losing it. And he's going to lose it again in this episode that we're talking about next. Are we ready to move on? Yeah, let's do it. So this is Room for Growth, another one that we recently reviewed on the Patreon. So you're missing out. (laughs) You might be saying some of the same things out there, but yeah, yeah, but still, it's a great review. (laughs) This is such a good engineering episode because the engineers have had enough. They are at their wits end because Captain Freeman was taken over by one of the mask um, things that (laughs) happens in the TNG episode. And yeah. basically she turns all of the ship into like an ancient, like Aztec, um, like architecture <laughs> throughout the ship. Yeah. Temple. Like, yeah. And so the, there's aqueducts and vines and stuff. Like it's crazy. Yeah. If you haven't thought about the Roman empire yet this episode, this is your time. You know, aqueducts. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. And so the engineers have to work themselves like around the clock to get the ship back to normal. And this is high priority. So Freeman is, you know, kind of nailing them on this and not giving them a lot of rest. And apparently it's been a month of straight, uh, like ship refitting. So that's, that's very stressful. Well, and also we're given the indication early on in the episode that this is like the second time it's happened at this month. They don't initially, they don't like outwardly state this, but it's enough where I'm like, what? Because Billup <laughs> says like, um, or in one of Ransom, or sorry, in um, Freeman's log, she says like, the Cerritos has been partially transformed into this like, temple again, you know, yeah. and, and they mentioned that she's been uh, possessed by multiple masks that like, so this means that probably within a month, they've had two mask encounters and probably just like getting through the first refit and fixing the first mask encounter. And then this Manuki one comes on and <laughs> is the same thing. So I just think that that's really hilarious clever and to show the buildup of stress that's happening you know that by the time freeman finally like (laughs) orders them to go to a spa uh it's been a literal week of him working straight like billup says like he's like oh well time's lost all meaning (laughs) you know and he ends up literally breaking down crying into shax's shoulder and like slapping him in the face and like a sort of subdued slap It's it's just so funny and so well done to show like these engineers take a lot to break, but they do, you know, and like this yeah. is a lot of stress to take back to back. Well, and then once they get to the spa, they can't turn <laughs> off their engineering brains nope. because this is all they know how to do. I think it's both partially because they've been engineering for so long and also partially because that's just they're in their DNA. And so I yeah. love the scene where they go to the spa and they fix the door like they're spending time <laughs> and they just fix it. Freeman is like angry at them like why are you working (laughs) you have to relax I mean even when she tells them that this are you ready to have like a very relaxing mandatory trip (laughs) and they're all like hey and and Rutherford goes okie (laughs) dokie it reminds it reminds me um my husband I have said a lot is in the air force and there was one day where at the end of the summer they had to have a force bonding day and so they had a barbecue at work and they had like a kickball 
thing that they did. And Danny was like, I'm not really looking forward to this. But then at the end of the day, he was like, you know, they let us go at noon. So it was pretty great. <laughs> I love that that's what he got out of it. He's like, I did not bond. I got to leave early. <laughs> yeah, I got to leave early, which is great. Yeah. So I thought yeah. that was funny. And it was reminding me of this episode, like, okay, this is your forced vacation you have to take. Yep. And increasingly so freeman keeps walking in on them doing all of these supposedly relaxing activities and the normal things aren't calming them down like they're getting pedicures or they're getting yeah they're getting medicare medicated they're getting <laughs> they all got oh, medicare <laughs> they all got medicare yeah um they're all getting pedicures and it's not really helping them they're all like hanging out with puppies and kittens and it's not really yeah. like doing much for them but they like have this activity that they do in the sand where they're sand yes. drawing and it turns out they're like drawing something going on and engineering together yeah, engine, they're trying to improve engine efficiency by like 0.5 0.05 you know and i love that even freeman is like you feel like that stress slide away to the sand mr billups and he's like oh yeah we're really cooking yeah. <laughs> so he's not even denying it like it's just it's him being like yeah we really are building this engine efficiency yeah, yeah. and i i think this is exactly the type of vacation they need because mm -hmm. like we've talked about how on different away missions and things like that different engineers will bring pads with them to read to uh like stay up date up to date on what the latest technology is and also billups is like probably staying up at night thinking about how he can improve the warp core and yeah. like that's how he's choosing to spend his free time and so of course mm -hmm. when they're all relaxing their minds return to what they <laughs> to what relaxes them and so freeman does not understand this at all and she basically like completely loses her mind she has a black wristband which means that like she has to go to the emergency room because yeah, she's so insane. stressed out and mm -hmm. so the engineers they they feel bad about everything that's happened and so they end up building a stress machine a stress machine that is the equivalent of about 10 months or was it 10 months three or three years or something 10 seconds of this pod will be the equivalent to I think it was three months spent on the dove yeah yeah spent on the dove which is the station and um and it works. She goes in and she comes out a completely different woman. I, again, I like, I don't want to ask about how this happened, you know, like what kind yeah. of release she felt while she was yeah. in, the, in that little machine, but it works. And um, I love because the person who's running the dove, who's like yeah, the well. same as the, as Arex's species in TAS, um, she does not want it anywhere on her ship because it will completely put the dove out of business. So she says, <laughs> yeah. nope, don't do that. Reject that from my pod or from the sh my ship. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I just, I love that this is their relaxation. You're absolutely right. Like I was just mentioning trouble with Tribble, same thing. Scotty is pleased to be punished by being sent to his quarters because that means he gets more time to read his journals on engineering. And we see this time and time again, you know, that it's really giving like me editing the pod and being really tired from editing the Star Trek pod. And then I go to watch Star Trek for, you know, to relax or yes. watching Star Trek for the pod and going to a different series of Star Trek to relax when I need a break from watching that's particularly that particular Star Trek. <laughs> like it's or truly yeah, my it's favorite, what I do. my favorite brand of that is watching a different Star Trek to procrastinate watching yeah. the episodes I have to watch for the pod. That's that's the spicy one right there. Even if it's the show I love most, or even yes. if it's something that like like I'm like 
I get to watch Deep Space Nine for the pod, and yet I'm still over here watching Lower Decks procrastinating. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's on brand. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, that's we're yeah. just all kind of engineers at heart. What did uh, Freeman say? All goddamn Jordy LaForge's. <laughs> like, yeah. I just I absolutely love that because she knows. It's a compliment. We know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just really are hyper fixating on things, and you know it helps them relax. So. Oh, well, Rihanna, I think let's go to the final episode of our engineering series for Lower Decks. This is Tuvix. Not too much in this one, but we had to bring it up because, of course, they are back on Voyager, which has been fully not restored, but just like kept in pristine condition by the yeah. caretaker, not the real caretaker. <laughs> um, um, and when the Cerritos crew beams aboard, Rutherford is having a blast checking out the bile network circuitry yes, and looking, looking at all the gel packs. Uh, this was a, such a staple on Voyager, and they always were talking about how the gel packs, everything was going wrong. <laughs> and they bring up the Neelix cheese. Which... Learning curve! <laughs> yes! I watch Learning Curve so many times because it's a great Tuvok episode. It's the finale of season one. It's such a good episode. The Neelix cheese is essential. I love that um, uh, Kayshawn is like, the ship got destroyed by cheese? And uh, Ransom's like, it was Voyager. Shit got weird. <laughs> yeah. Which is true. And like, that's exactly what Rutherford says is because this whole crazy um, breakdown of the ship starts happening where Rutherford's solution is to use the Neelix cheese. And he says, like, I don't know, it just seems like a kooky Voyager solution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is exactly what it is. And I just want to throw in there that the caretaker dude, he has achieved the dream that I have yes. been trying to achieve on Voyager my whole life, which is that they should have installed hollow emitters throughout yes. the entire ship from the yep. beginning of season one. I understand yep. they didn't they didn't know to do that, but by season two, three, four, five, six, seven, come on, no yeah. excuse, no excuse. No and excuse. so at last, he has installed holodeck or holograph emitters all over the ship, and that's how these holodeck characters can run rampant um, in this yeah, episode. Sure. But I still just feel terrible for the doctor that he had no access to the full ship some without his, <laughs> without his. Mobile emitter. Mo without his mobile emitter. Thank you. I was gesturing wildly to my shoulder. I was like, help me, Rihanna. What's it called? <laughs> yeah, I blanked too. It was a it was a mutual moment of, of blankness. Yeah. yeah. So small, small, actually for me, gigantic victory for Voyager that finally yes. she has these holograph emitters. Making everything more accessible is our mission. I just believe that Voy or that Lower Decks reads our Star Trek fan fiction, particularly about Voyager, because literally also there's Voyager fix about it being on the front lawn for like a while before it goes into you know and like also with well, the with well, the hollow emitters because, that's that because of fit. Endgame Rihanna that's yeah, because that's in Endgame Voyager gets displayed on the lawn yeah. which for me is very 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 exciting because we've yes. never <laughs> seen <laughs> oh god we've never <laughs> seen a future that takes place in this time period like in the yeah. in the in Endgame in the finale of Voyager we see an alternate timeline where Jimmy goes back in time to save everybody. And so mm -hmm. in, yes, in her time period, Voyager was kept on the lawns of the Presidio um, as a museum. And so now to see this exact same happening, exact same thing happening in this future is so exciting and somehow yes. like canonizing to me. So yes, anyway, something to celebrate as well. 
the canonizing of Voyager things is such a great thing to celebrate with both Prodigy being on Netflix now and in these random episodes of Lower Decks. Like, what a, what a world we're living in. Um, I do also just want to do a quick shout out in this episode to, to Lynn. <laughs> promoted surprise, provisional surprise. junior grade um, lieutenant. She and Tendi have to work out the solution to untuvix everyone <laughs> because the side plot, aka the main plot, question mark of this episode, is that the tuvix pedal floated into the transporter, made to Illups, um, Tana and Billups, um, who was hilariously both scanning themselves with a tricorder and fixing the tricorder while it was happening. I thought that was a funny take, like, oh, yes, the engineer doctor can never stop working. Um, and then finally, you know, there's this whole Tuvix subplot, which I think was handled poorly, but that's for a whole other episode. Um, and then we have a Tuvix meatball, essentially, at the end, because Talyn decides to beam everyone together and think, like, okay, then we'll be able to get a handle on this, get them in the brig. Um, so, yes, there's a gigantic Tuvix meatball, and Tendi and Talyn have to sort of work together to extrapolate all the personalities from their different patterns, and they're able to, of course, but I think that's an incredible feat of science and engineering um, involving the transporter and all these working parts, all these working DNAs, like, it's insane, so just a quick shout out to that, but course the real heroes are the neelix cheese heroes between um <laughs> boimler and rutherford it's just hilarious that thou that now they will forever be immortalized in voyager as well because they get a little plaque about the cheese <laughs> at the end exactly on deck seven <laughs> next to the other plaque about the cheese <laughs> yeah good i'm glad yes. Oh my gosh, Rihanna, this has been a really banging watch list. I just want to thank you once again for making it for this episode for us. Yeah. And I also want to quickly thank Jordan Hirsch, Megan Chowning, Sci-Fi Haven, MC Freudis, Spotted Giraffe, Isabel, David Willett, Kurlan Noskos, Rick Mason, John T. Bolds, Gil Dara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan Fetch, and Michelle. Thank you so much for being patrons of this podcast. If you are interesting, if you are interested in hearing about our reviews of Lower Decks, which we have reviewed seasons one through three, we are almost done with season three. We have been having a blast talking about that. So head on over to patreon.com slash the Dora Sisters podcast. If you are on the Sons of Moog tier, you can hear those reviews. So yes. Rihanna, thank you. I Man, this has been some real highs for me in the engineering series, and it's Agreed. always a joy to talk about Lower Decks. I think the show always brings together what we've been saying the whole time about whatever theme because they just understand Star Trek so well. So thank you so much yes. for joining me in this pod. Thank you for choosing this incredible series. I've already learned so much and we still have two more to go. Ashlyn, we will have to discuss with our sister timing, see when the third Dura sister can join us. Um, so we'll worst, let you worst know. case, if it's not Prodigy next week, we will drop a, a Strange New Worlds, but we yeah. will, yeah, we'll figure something out. <laughs> Either way, out. <laughs> we're trying to keep it on schedule. So uh, you will see an episode next week, whether it's Prodigy Strange New Worlds. Um, either way, we're very excited to bring it to you. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Ashlyn. Love you all. Yes, as <laughs> Can always. Can I say that on the pod? <laughs> yes, love you all. And don't let the Patoks get you down. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the ninth episode of our engineering series, where Ashton and Rihanna will discuss the next entry in our engineering series. 
Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, and Twitter to check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also took a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating $1, $6, or $23 per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive rewards for each tier. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, first officers, spooky, and the holodeck series. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these awesome episodes. Editing, social media, and marketing is done by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. So this position in the Vancouver is just not for them, you know. Sorry, I'm so chatty. I can, I can like, tone it down. <laughs> I'm like, I know I'm literally talking so much. <laughs> Dude, no, I'm into it. It's funny yeah. because I, you just say everything that I'm going to say. And so I'm like, no, I'm like, she's fucking killing it right now. <laughs> I'm like, this is my, like, fourth rant I've got on. No! Uh, <laughs> I was thinking, like, this time when we publish it, we'll go through, and you know how you can hear the voices yeah. back and forth? It's <laughs> just like, Rihanna, 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 But I'm not mad about next it. I'm half, like, Next half, half is going to be the Ashley house. <laughs> okay. Oh, don't worry. In the working together, that's when I come alive. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, apologies. <laughs> um, no hmm. apologies. Okay, um... Hmm. You literally sound like um Ahura or like one of those ladies in um Yeah 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 or Spock even in Lorelei Signal. Yeah. <laughs> Spock yeah. really got his vocal cords for that. He really did. Cool. Okay, shit, are we ready? <laughs> yeah. Woo! Woo! Again, it's like the energy hits you right when <laughs>